0: Welcome and thank you for listening to Sandy Creek Stirrings. I'm your host, Joshua Jimenez. And if you're going to win souls, you've got to love souls. In spite of their meanness, in spite of the way they look, in spite of everything, you've got to seek to bring souls to Jesus Christ because you love them, because Jesus loved them, and because Jesus died for them, and you're trying to bring them to the Son of God. The Bible says in Psalm 84 11, my last verse, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. I've based my whole life on that, that it pays to serve God, and I believe that with all my heart. God has given us a guidebook. God has given us a directional map. And that guidebook, that map, is the precious Word of God. Listen, don't just go and sit in the pew. Find some way to serve, and serve as a family. Be a part of everything at church, and when you learn to love what God loves, um, your children will learn to love it as well. Homes are not that spiritually strong. We're getting overtaken by the world quickly, but unfortunately, we're pumping all the sewage in. You know, we're letting the world in, when that ought to be a haven. Here we are, episode number 106 of Sandy Creek Stirrings. I want to thank you for being a listener here to this podcast, and I hope that we've been able to accomplish our goal of stirring you up to do something great for the cause of Christ. Of course, that's my whole goal. That's my whole plan. If we're not succeeding, then let's go ahead and shut this thing down. But I hope that we've been successful at stirring you up to do something for the cause of Christ. You know God has a goal. God has a plan. God has something that He wants you to do with your life, specifically you. And so it should be our goal as Christians to find out exactly what that is and to serve God with the very best of our ability. And one of my goals here as the host of Sandy Creek Stirrings is just to encourage you to seek out what God would have you to do with your life and how you can most effectively serve God. You know, there's some people within your life that you can reach that really, I I will never be able to reach. Maybe they live in the area where you live that I do not live. Maybe they're your neighbor. Maybe they're your family that you have a personal connection with. God has something very specific for your life, friend, and it doesn't matter. Whether you're a, a child, a teenager, a young person, a college graduate, it, it doesn't really matter what stage you are in life. If you're an older person or a younger person, a male or a female, it really doesn't matter. God has something He wants you to do with your life. My goal here is to stir you up to do something for the cause of Christ. You know, we have too many Christians who are just bench warmers. They just sit on the sidelines. They're just the water boy. Um, you know what? You need to get out on the field. There is a place for you on the team of serving Christ. There's a place for you to serve in your local church. By the way, if you're not part of a local church, you need to be part of a local church, all right? I, I, don't, I don't understand these people who want to try and teach the Bible, who want to discuss Bible and their relationship with God, but they don't even go to church anywhere. Give me a break, Okay, You cannot even begin to be right with God unless you are a part of a local church, and so it's very important. But not only that, you should find a place to serve within your local church. That is very important. You know why the Dead Sea is dead? Because it has no outlet. It just takes in, takes in, takes in, and everything within the Dead Sea is dead because it has no outlet. In the same way, my friend, as Christians, we must have a way that we output, that we have an outlet to serve Jesus Christ and to let other people know of the glorious gospel and salvation that is available to them. Not only that, but to spread the good tidings of His Word, to encourage our brothers and sisters in Christ to do so many things that the Bible talks about us doing within our lives. It's important that we have an outlet, and one of the greatest resources you have is ministries to serve in within your local church. Now, I don't know what it is for you. I don't know if it's the nursery. I don't know if it's the bus route. I don't know if it's within the music service, or I don't know what it is, but God has something He wants you to do with your life, and if you get one thing from today's episode, I want you to get this. You need to serve God, and so I hope that as a listener, we've been able to stir you up to do something great for the cause of Christ. Today, we're going to take some time to answer some questions that I'm commonly asked all about Jesus Christ. And so, we're going to take time to answer some questions just about Jesus. These are common questions that I hear as someone on staff at church, someone who was raised as a preacher's kid, as a missionary kid. I have often had people ask me questions concerning Jesus Christ in these areas. And of course, there's more questions that people ask that we're not going to talk about today, but we're going to ask some of the most common ones that I hear. Now Let me remind you, you can send in questions by simply going to stirringscom Again, that's sandycreekstirrings.com. Go to our contact page and just simply submit a question through our contact page. You can submit a question that way. You can also submit a question by going and messaging us through Facebook, or you can send me an email at joshua at sandycreekstirrings.com. Again, that's joshua at stirringscom Just simply send in a question, and you may be wondering you may be thinking you know is my question is really is is it going to matter to anybody is my question really worth sending in and asking and i will tell you this look you're probably not the first person to have whatever question it is that you have. Um, there's somebody before you who had that question, and there's probably other people listening who may have that same question, and they're looking for the answer. And by you asking a question, it may help resolve an issue for some other people. So let me encourage you to send in a question today. So simply go to sandycreekstirrings.com and you could submit those questions for our Q&A. But today I want to answer some questions about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And hopefully He is your Lord and Savior. If you don't know for sure that you'd go to heaven when you die, you can make that decision today to make heaven your most certain destiny um, that Jesus has prepared for you, that Jesus has made a way for you. you. simply just have to accept His gift of salvation. We give a very detailed account of salvation and how to get saved and how to make heaven your home in episode number five, entitled, What is Biblical Salvation? That's episode number five, What is Biblical Salvation? Let me encourage you to go. If you don't know for sure you're going to go to heaven when you die, if you haven't asked Jesus Christ, the subject of our episode today, if you haven't asked him into our into your heart to save you, today can be the day. Go back and listen to episode number five, What is biblical salvation? And so let's talk today about the most common questions I hear in regards to Jesus Christ. And the first one is one that I have had. I cannot count the amount of times people have asked me this question, and it's a question I get so often. It's the question, did Jesus have long hair? Did Jesus have long hair? Look, we have all seen all right, we've all seen those pictures of a fair-skinned, you know, sometimes pasty white Jesus with long, flowing, light brown hair and typically like a blue blue eyes. You know, the problem with that picture is that that's, it's simply not an accurate uh, picture of what a Jew would have looked like during that time period, the first century, when Jesus Christ would have lived. That's not what Jews typically look like. And Jesus, for and not trying to degrade who Jesus is, and not trying to be sacrilegious in any way, shape, or form. But Jesus would have been a typical Jew, typical Jew back in that time period in the first century. They didn't have long hair typically, um, a male that is, a male Jew. They typically had shorter hair, and uh, there were some laws regarding concerning their sideburns. And I'm not sure if I'm cr- pronouncing this correctly, but it was their longer sideburns were called. Piot, P-E-Y-O-T, if I remember correctly, called Piot, and uh, there were laws concerning the sideburns. We're not going to talk about that today, but the actual hair of their head was very typically short. Now, not a buzz cut, not a bald, not a bald head either. Uh, that was forbidden within the Old Testament law, and uh, but they had shorter hair. And typically, for a, a man, this hair was typically cut and left only an inch or so of growth. And if you go back and study how Jews would cut their hair and how they would define the the length of their hair, they would typically take their fist and they would curl up the hair, they would grab the hair into their fist, and they would measure it in that fashion and would typically leave only an inch, at most, maybe two inches of hair on their head. And and look, here's the deal. When answering that question, Jesus was a typical Jew, Uh, Therefore, he would have had typical Jewish hair, which means it would have been short, and it would have most likely, like 99%, it would have most likely been black hair. All right, so to begin with, having long hair is uh, out of the question, really, and to have brown hair is most likely out of the question. He would have most likely had black hair. Now, not only this, but Paul Okay, Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14, the Bible says, Doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man have, a long, have long hair, it is a shame unto him. You know, we know from, first, or from John chapter 1 that Jesus is the Word of God. Um, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus Christ is the Word of God. And here's the deal. If a portion of the Word of God says that it is a shame for a man to have long hair, and by the way, let it be known to the hippie culture and men who have long hair, God says it's a shame. God said is it is a shame for a man to have long hair. That's not my opinion. That's not what I think. That's what God said, 1 Corinthians chapter eleven fourteen. It is a shame for a man to have long hair. Now, if Jesus Christ is the Word of God, um, He's not going to have any contradictions, is He? Because if he has a contradiction, that means God has an error within himself, and we know God to be perfect. By the way, the Bible says that God is not the author of confusion. Would it be very confusing to know that Jesus had long hair, but the Bible says it's a shame for a man to have long hair? Let me tell you this, friend. There is nothing shameful about Jesus Christ. For that fact alone, I know, not only was Jesus a typical Jew, he would have had typical short Jewish hair. It would have typically been black, but not only that, he would have been contradicting the very Word of God, the very person of who he is, by having long hair. And so, on that question, some people say, you know, well, did Jesus have long hair? Wasn't Jesus a Nazirite? You know, Samson, he was a Nazirite, and Samson had long hair because of his Nazirite vow. Wasn't Jesus a Nazirite? And the answer is no. You will not find anywhere where Jesus took the Nazarite vow. Jesus was a Nazarene. He was not a Nazarite. Jesus was a Nazarene. He was not a Nazarite. What do I mean by that? I mean that Jesus was from Nazareth. Remember the statement that, I believe it was Nathaniel made, he said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? The people who came out of Nazareth were known as Nazarenes. They were Nazarene people. And Jesus was from Nazareth. He was a Nazarene, but he was not a Nazarite. Now let me be clear to define that as well. Jesus was not a Nazarene as of the Nazarene church. All right, the Nazarene church, by the way, is a false religion. They baptize infants. Jesus taught and was baptized by immersion. All right, that's what the word baptism or baptize means in the Greek within the New Testament. Baptizo, which means the word to immerse, to put fully under. Jesus taught baptism. As immersion. By the way, you won't find infant baptism anywhere within Scripture. To teach or to practice infant baptism is truly anti Bible. So, Jesus was not Nazarene as of the Nazarene church. That's just, we're, yeah, we're not even going to go there today on talking about the Nazarenes and uh, really a false religion. So, no, Jesus did not take the Nazarite vow. No, Jesus did not have long hair. And so that painting and that idea of all these pictures we see of Jesus with this really long hair, I'm sorry, it just was not that way. I'm sorry if I ruined your your picture of who Jesus is. Hopefully we're just making it a little bit clearer. There were some scientists, you can look it up online, just simply Google it. There were some scientists who took Jesus within, I believe, the genealogy and Jews and, and all these different things, and they combined it to try and get a, an idea of what Jesus would have looked like. And they punched it into a computer, and it put out a picture of what Jesus would have looked like. And I'll tell you what, the picture—now, of course, that's not— what Jesus would have looked like. like. That's not Jesus per se, but they put out what Jesus would have most likely looked like and Google it. It's just a typical looking Middle Eastern person, a Jewish person, short black hair. and um, And then we're going to get into this next question, which I commonly get. This is question number two for today. What color was Jesus? What color was Jesus. So, this Jesus that what Jesus would have looked like, he would have looked like a typical Jew, would have had short black hair, but he would have had a certain skin tone. And let me tell you this I've seen something going around Facebook for the past couple of weeks, and at first glance, it, it looks all right. It looks like a reasonable answer, but when you truly look at it, it's truly, I believe, in my opinion, one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. And um, it's a quote by a renowned preacher, Dr. E.V. Hill. And it's supposedly a response to a a threat he received from the Black Panthers in regards to his preaching about a quote-unquote white Jesus. And this was his response. It's also within his book called A Savior Worth Having, put out by Moody Publishing, and it would be published in 2002 by Dr. E.V. Hill. But here was his response, and I've been seeing this go around. Here's what it says, quote, I don't know anything about a white Christ. I know about Christ, a Savior named Jesus. I don't know what color he is. He was born in brown Asia. He fled to black Africa, and he was in heaven before the gospel got to white Europe. So I don't know what color he is. I do know one thing. If you bow at the altar with color on your mind and get up with color on your mind, go back again and keep going back until you no longer look at his color, but at his greatness and his power, his power to save, end quote. Now, I will agree with Dr. Hill on the very last part of that statement where he said, I do know one thing. If you bow at the altar with color on your mind and get up with color on your mind, go back again and keep going back until you no longer look at his color, but at his greatness and his power, his power to save. I will agree with that statement. Look, if you're looking to Jesus um, for a racial ethnicity or something like that, and you're trusting in his race for your salvation, he's exactly right. Your mind is in the wrong thing. Your mind shouldn't be focused on what color he, Jesus was. It really doesn't matter because he was the Savior of the world, and he has the power to save you no matter what race or ethnicity you are. And so I would agree with the last portion, but I'll be honest with you. That first portion of that statement is just about one of the dumbest things I think I've ever heard. And that may shock you. That may sound disrespectful, and I hope it doesn't come across that way. But let me remind you what was said. He said, I don't know what color he is. Look, you may be shocked, but I know exactly what color Jesus was. He was ethnically a Jew. Now, Jews can have many different skin tones. There are even, um, I was doing some research, there are even supposedly some black Jews. But we don't know what color, but we do know, I'm sorry, we do know what color Jesus was. He was, and and forgive me if I sound harsh or uncaring, but he was what many people would term as brown. He would have had the the same color as most Middle Eastern Jews, a brown, olive-colored skin tone. And so how can I know this for a fact? Well, the reason is is because his mother Mary was of the line of David, which was a very prominent, a very typical, olive-skinned Jew. All right? And so, Jesus would have been the exact same. He would have looked like a normal, typical Jew. He would have looked like a normal Middle Eastern um, Jew. He would have blended right into the crowd. That's why the Bible says that outwardly, there was nothing to be desired of Jesus in his looks or his skin tone. It was prophesied of that. In Isaiah chapter 53, verse 2, which says, "...he hath no form nor comeliness." And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. That verse is saying that when the Messiah comes, there's not going to be anything necessarily special about him. He's going to blend into the crowd. He's going to be an ordinary, typical person. So Jesus would have looked like just an ordinary, typical Middle Eastern Jew. Now, let me back up and see. I, 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 I understand the essence of what Dr. Hill was trying to say. But I believe he could have made his point without saying something completely ridiculous that he didn't know what color Jesus was. Jesus was the same color as any typical Jew. He would have had olive brown skin. He would have had black hair and most likely dark brown eyes. Now, was it possible for him to have almost any eye color? Yes. Um, ethnically, Jews can have a lot of different eye colors, but the most prominent one being a dark brown color. So it would have been very likely for these things to happen. And so on that question of what did Jesus look like is really where these two questions are. You know, did Jesus have long hair? What color was Jesus? Really revolve around that question of what did Jesus look like? Um, Jesus would have looked like a typical Jew. He would have had short, most likely black hair. He would have had an olive color skin tone. He would have most likely had dark brown eyes. He would have blended into the crowd. There was nothing special about him. He wasn't overly handsome. And that may sound disrespectful to you, but that's what Isaiah chapter 53, verse 2 says. There's no beauty that we should desire him. He wasn't this super handsome guy. There wasn't anything special about him. He just looked like a typical Jew. And so that's what Jesus would have looked like. While we are on the subject, though, I do want to comment on another portion of the statement that Dr. Hill made. Um, he said within that statement, he said, um, I don't know what color he is. He was born in brown Asia. He fled to black Africa and he was in heaven before the gospel got to white Europe. So I don't know what color he is. This whole response is coming because he's, he's debating really this idea of racism. He's trying to tell, tell the, this Black Panther crowd that, you know, you guys are, are basically being racist. And racism shouldn't exist. Racism needs to stop. That's kind of the background essence of what he was saying. But here's the deal. And I don't, just logically, and this is just something where I'm coming to, he was trying to quell this cry of racism by the Black Panthers. But notice what he said. He was born in brown Asia. He fled to black Africa. He was in heaven before the gospel got to white Europe. You know what he did? He just, he just promoted something that he was trying to quell. He just racially stereotyped each of the continents. Look, my friend, not all people in Africa are black. Not all people in Europe are white. and Not all people in Asia are brown. By saying black Africa and brown Asia and white Europe, you're racially stereotyping the continents. Now, within history... Those continents have been referred to as that, as being a different color based on the majority of the people within that continent being a certain race and a certain color. And so historically, how people would have referred to that would be along those lines. But I think it's crazy to use that type of racial, stero- racial stereotype. While you're trying to quell the cry of racism. So, and really, if you research color terminology for race and history, you'll find that Asia is not referred to back in the day as brown. It used to be referred to as yellow. And so I just think it's incredibly ridiculous for him to make this sort of racial statement when he's trying to combat racism. And so that's just my thought on this thing that's going been going around Facebook. And uh, needless to say, what did Jesus look like? He would have looked like a typical. Jew. And so that's our first two questions. Did Jesus have long hair? What color was Jesus? Let's get to our third question for today. This is one that I see so many people Um, I say so many. It's really not that many people um, when you actually talk to people, but it's something that I don't know where it catches steam from, but people believe this for whatever reason. And I've heard preachers preach this before. It's just really a ridiculous notion. I should probably give you the question before I start making comments about it. But the third question is, did Jesus burn in hell for those three days and three nights that he was in the grave? And um, did Jesus burn in hell for those three days he was in the grave? And so, really, my friend, this is a very simple question. We're not going to take a whole lot of time to answer it because I believe with one simple Bible passage and just a simple piece of logic, we can easily answer that question. Here's the question I'm going to ask back to you If you believe that Jesus burned in hell for three days, let me ask you this question. When? was the work of atonement. All right, atonement being when Jesus atoned for the sins of the world, made the way for salvation. When was the work of atonement completed? When was the work of atonement completed? Was it after his soul suffered in hell? Because if you believe that Jesus burned in hell for three days, you believe that part of him making atonement was he had to go and burn in hell. He had to go and suffer the judgment of sin because the atonement still had to be paid. That's what you're saying. That's the only reason to believe that. You're saying that atonement had not yet been made, and so Jesus had to go and suffer in hell for three days to make atonement for our sins. So that's my question to you. When was atonement, when was the work of atonement completed? Why don't we let Jesus Christ answered that question. You see, Jesus Christ, as the last drops of blood left his body just before he died, before he gave up the ghost, here's what he said in John chapter 19 and verse 30. Jesus said, or the verse says, when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. What was finished, my friend? What was finished? The work of atonement. There was now no more requirement that a person suffer in hell if he accepted the gift that God had outstretched for him. Now, if somebody trusted in the blood of Jesus Christ, there was an atonement for his sin. He didn't have to face the judgment of hell. So if you say that Jesus Christ burned in hell for three days, you're saying the atonement was not completed, and here's what you're doing. You're calling Jesus a liar. You are literally calling Jesus a liar. So what about the passages though where people get this where uh, people say well he burned in hell and here's a passage that says he went down to hell. Here's how we here's what what is that saying? How do we answer that? Well, we must remember that before the resurrection hell was divided into two parts and they were divided by a great gulf. How do we know this? Luke chapter 16 verses 19 through 26, we have this story, a very famous story of the rich man who died and went to hell. Let me read you some of those verses. It says In Luke chapter 16, there was a certain man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid down at his gate full of sores, and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died, and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died, and was buried, and in hell. between us and you, there is a great goal fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Now, let's break this down. What exactly is this passage talking about in regards to those two different sections of hell? Well, where was the rich man? The Bible says that he lifted up his eyes, being in torments. He was in torment. So where was he? He was in that place that is known as hell. He was in torments. He was in hell. Let me ask you a question. Where was Lazarus? He was in Abraham's bosom. He was there in a place of comfort. If you read the story, at the end of verse 26, it says that the rich man was in hell, and he was looking across a great gulf, a great divide, a great chasm between these two places, the place of comfort where Lazarus was, and the place of torment where the rich man was. And so it's important as we compare line upon line and precept upon precept, before the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there were two parts of hell. One side was hell. It was the place of torment. It was the place of flames. It was a place for those who never placed their trust in the Messiah who would one day come. Then there was a great divide, a great chasm, a great gulf between the two. There was no way to get across from the place of torment to the place of comfort. And so, that's where this rich man was. What do we call that place of comfort across on the other side, the place where Lazarus was? We know it to be paradise. How do we know that that place was called paradise? We know this because Jesus told the thief on the cross, he said in Luke 24, 43, he said, "'Today thou shalt be with me in paradise.'" Now, we're getting into a little bit of doctrine here. What was this paradise? Why didn't, it, the, why didn't he just say, "'Today thou shalt be with me in heaven.'" Why did he say paradise? What was this paradise? This place, paradise, this place of comfort across the great gulf from hell, this was the place where the Old Testament saints went to. All right. When you were an Old Testament saint, when you placed your faith and trust in the coming Messiah who would one day come and take away the sins of the world, you placed your trust in the same way that we look back to the Messiah. They looked forward to the Messiah. So the Old Testament saints would have been there. Abraham, Moses. Joshua, Gideon, all these Old Testament saints, these saved of the Old Testament, they would go to paradise when they died. Let me ask you a question why would they not go to heaven? And here's the reason why because the atonement had not yet been made for the entrance to heaven and the presence to God. You'll find the Bible says in Hebrews that the blood of sacrifices could never take away the sins. So if the blood had not yet been sacrificed, how could they then go into heaven, which the Bible says, Jesus said in John chapter 14, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. How could the Old Testament saints go to the Father, the presence of God? How could they go there without having the way of Jesus Christ yet? Jesus Christ hadn't come. He hadn't made the sacrifice yet. How could they go? They couldn't. And so, until Jesus Christ came and made the atonement for sin, they went to that place of comfort that is called paradise. And so, when Jesus Christ died, the atonement of sin was completed. Jesus Christ had sacrificed himself and his blood for the sins of the world. It was completed. There was now, for those who would place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, there was now no more reason that they would have to go to hell. The atonement, the judgment, had been paid. The debt was paid. It was gone. And so what did Jesus do? He didn't have to go and burn in hell for three days, and he did not. Here is what happened for those three days while Jesus was in the grave. Jesus went down to paradise that second compartment. He went down to paradise. He told these Old Testament saints. He told them of the fulfillment of prophecy. He told them, "Hey, remember how it was prophesied that there would be the Messiah would be born in Micah chapter 5 verse 2 in Bethlehem. I was born in Bethlehem. Remember how it was promised that they would part my garments in Isaiah 53, they gambled over my garments. Remember how it was promised that I would see, receive stripes in Isaiah chapter 53, I received stripes. Remember how in Zechariah chapter 13 it said I would have wounds in my hand. Look at these wounds in my hands. Remember in Zechariah chapter 12 where it says they would pierce me. Look at this piercing in my side." And he goes through and he walks him through all the prophecies. He says, I am the Messiah. Here's what happened. I went and I sacrificed myself. I walked a perfect life. I sacrificed myself. I shed the blood. I said, it is finished. And he told them of all that had happened. And then he led them to heaven. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8 confirms this. When it says, quote, wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, when he ascended up to heaven, he led captivity captive. gave gifts to men. When he went up to heaven, he took those that were in that place of comfort. He took them with them, because now the way had been provided for them to be able to dwell in the presence of God in heaven. So simply put, to say Jesus had to burn in hell is to say that he was a liar when he said, it is finished. So those three questions are questions I get very, very often. Did Jesus have long hair? What color was Jesus? And did Jesus burn in hell for three days? Now, this fourth question is one that I probably get more than any of those questions combined. It's the question of, was Jesus God? Was Jesus actually God? I get that question very very often, was Jesus God? And how do we prove that Jesus was God? That's a great question. And here's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to come back to our next episode, episode number 107, when we talk about proving that Jesus is God. Episode number 107, proving that Jesus is God. And so you're going to want to come back and listen to that episode as we walk through step-by-step how to prove that Jesus is God. Look, there are a lot of false religions out there that'll tell you that Jesus is not God. He's God's Son, but He's not God. He was just a good man. He was just a prophet. Uh, Yes, He was a good person, but He is not God my friend, we will talk about next week how to prove that Jesus is in fact God, how we can prove it from the Bible, and how we can answer that question. So we're going to spend an entire episode just proving that Jesus is God. You will want this episode because there are people who we will identify by name next week who will come up and they will knock on your door, and they claim to believe in Jesus. They claim to believe in salvation by Him. They claim to believe in His work on the cross, but they don't believe in the same Jesus that you believe in and that I believe in, because Jesus is God. And the people knocking on the door, they don't believe that Jesus is God. They believe in a different Jesus. And so we'll answer that question next week. Was Jesus God? How do we prove it? Episode number 107, proving that Jesus is God. Make sure to come back and listen for that episode next week. As always, if you have a question on any subject, whether it be Jesus Christ, on Christianity, on the Bible, on any of the topics that we've talked about here on Sandy Creek Stirrings, you can send that question in to Joshua at Sandy Creek Stirrings. Dot com. Simply send me an email and we will feature that question in one of our upcoming Q&A's. And my friend, I hope that you continue to just serve this Jesus Christ who died for us. Serve Him with your life. Aren't you thankful for the atonement He made for us? And when He said it is finished, my friend, there's nothing else that we have to do. It's finished. He made the way. He provided the way for us to be able to go to heaven when we die. If we only ask Him to come into our hearts and save Him, And when we're saved, we should do our very best to live for Him. As you do, keep looking up and keep stirred up for the cause of Christ.